Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, the podcast where we talk about everything inside and outside the world of art house and independent cinema. My name is Nick Alderink. I'm the programming and media coordinator at the Michigan State Theater, and I'm joined by three guests, two who work for the Michigan State and one special guest. Uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, my name is Nadim Persikosha-Mass, and I am a house manager at the State Theater. Hey, I am Sarah Erlewine. I am the marketing manager at the Michigan State Theaters. Hi, I am Chris Steffen. I do not work at the Michigan or State Theaters. Rather, I am the senior editor at AllMusic and AllMovie.com. Thank oh you for joining us, Chris. Uh, so, uh, before, uh, so before we get into this, this is going to be a special behind-the-scenes episode where Chris is going to ask us questions because there's a lot that we know at this table uh, working in the industry, but don't necessarily we don't necessarily know what the audience doesn't know. Yeah. So Chris or is, wants to know. Or wants to know. So Chris is our Chris is our special guest. He's going to ask us questions, his dying questions about um, about our business. Chris, so first, Chris, tell us about tell us about AllMusic.com and what you do. Uh, okay, so AllMusic has been around since the early '90s. Um, I actually there's someone at this table who could answer these questions probably better than I. Coincidentally, uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, so, uh, All Music was founded by my uncle. What? Yeah, in 1993, four, um, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And it was founded, started in Big Rapids, and it moved to Ann Arbor, I want to say it's 99 or 2000. Okay. Maybe even 98. Why are you looking at me? Come on, Nadim, get this right. <laughs> get this right. What, 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 I don't remember you guys. It was so long ago mm -hmm. at this point. And your brother still works there, right? My brother does still and work there. And you, you, you and uh, your brother and Chris, you, you, you know her brother, I hear? Yeah, he, he, he kind of <laughs> helped me weasel my way into where I am now. So, mm -hmm. and, and really, the two, they've sort of spun off, right? So all music, like the, the content part is now owned by TiVo okay. of all companies. And then you work for the website part, which is sort of its own standalone business, right? Correct. I think TiVo decided we want to get out of the website business. We just want to be a content creation company. Right. So okay. the website is its own thing. We license the TiVo stuff, but we still work together pretty closely. So Chris, you're a music guy. Well, <laughs> so well, well, how how do you how did you find the Michigan Theater? How long have you been? How did you find us? <laughs> yeah. So I moved here for the all music job yeah. uh, late 2013, and I think I was just you know walking down Liberty, saw the marquee. I think there was a, probably a Studio Ghibli screening of some mm -hmm. sort. I think maybe it was uh, Makes sense. when Marnie was here or yeah. The Wind Rises, one of those two. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, they're showing this kind of stuff. That's cool. So mm -hmm. popped in and then I got a premium membership yeah. and then I bumped it up to a gold and this is my second year as a gold member. I'm Smart guy. There a couple nights a week. So when you spend that much time in one room, you have a lot of questions about mm -hmm. why the room does what the room does. <laughs> Well, we will do our best. Yes. Outstanding. Um, so let's, yeah, let's get right into it. I hear you have a lot of questions, so let's not waste any yeah, time. Um, some of the, like you said earlier, some of these might be things that are obvious to you guys, but mm -hmm. as someone who has never worked in programming on this level, I find it very interesting. Yeah. So when I first started coming, you know, we had Brian Hunter was the direct, the programmer guy and he was yes. very visible. You'd see him around all the time introducing <laughs> things. Yeah. He has since left. Mm -hmm. um, so I was curious now, is it sort of, is it programming by committee? Is there one person who's kind of the voice of the, the way the programming mm -hmm. is decided on? I'm just kind of, are there? It is, it is, a, it is much more inclusive now that Brian has, has left. And, and, and not that Brian, 
Brian was a great programmer. I don't. I don't mean to say like Brian was our dictator in charge. But <laughs> I hope he listens I mean, to this. I, and I, I, I'm going to say but, Brian, but, you are our dictator. Yeah. The, yeah uh, Brian was our senior programmer. He had been with the theater for over a decade. So after he left. And uh, he moved on. And yeah, yes. He moved he, on to the university. He's uh, now working at University of Michigan mm-hmm. in a great job for the Wiser Center. So yes, it's, absolutely. Just in case people were like, "What happened to Brian?" No, yeah, Brian. Brian left with uh, on pretty good terms. Um, so yeah, after Brian left, we did decide that it is going to be more. Uh, it is going to be more. Uh, um, committee based we do have uh, larger programming discussions now larger philosophical questions that we ask ourselves like what do we want this series or what what do, why do we want this screening who do we think it's going to bring in uh, these are questions that Brian really answered internally to himself because he he knew the theater better than anybody really in the organization aside from Russ and some of the senior committee members uh, uh, the senior leadership team um, but really, it comes down to one person needs to contact our booker at the, at the end. Once we, so we we are we are lucky enough. We have a film booker who uh, who reaches out to the distributors and reaches out to who holds the rights to these films that we need to play. So we come up with our scheduling. We come up with pricing. We come up with all the details that we need to contact Jan. Her name is Jan. She works at Pacific Film Film Resources in Burbank. Uh, not 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 Burbank. She uh, Oakland. She very different. Cities. Very different cities. Uh, she. So we. I. I. I'm. I'm the one who brings us information to Jan. I say this is what we want to play. Jan. She's the one who contacts the distributors. She. Uh, um, Negotiates yeah, the terms. Negotiates the terms, and uh, they send the films to us. Well, about those terms in particular, um, I remember one time. I think it was at a, one of the member meetings. Somebody asked Russ, "Hey, why did La La Land play for four months or oh, yeah. something?" Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. It seemed like nobody was probably going at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. No, but they but, were. Well, they were, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like it. But he he brought he mentioned something and then kind of got off the topic about how when you sometimes book some of those bigger movies, they have a predetermined. Run yeah. length. Mm-hmm. So I was curious, just like when you get something, do you know it when you first book it? We have to show this for six weeks. Uh, yes and no. So certain films, yes, they come with a set amount of terms. Um, so, for instance, um, this week we're going to be showing the MIA documentary, and we booked that for a limited run for three days. We know it will play for three days. Those are what our terms are for. That is what we've contracted with the distributor to play. And theoretically, we could reach back out and say, yes, we want to add more days to it. But that would be a new negotiation. Those would be new terms for that. Or when we played uh, Star Wars Last Jedi, when the State Theater reopened, we knew up front we were going to have to play four weeks of that in our largest theater in the venue. And so we played it at the State, so that was our Theater One. And it was going to have to be there. There were going to be no passes, no member discounts, no comps. And we knew it was going to play for four weeks in the biggest one without any of these things. And then after that, those terms were going to renegotiate. And so you could have passes. We could put it in theater two instead of theater one. So up front, we knew getting into that, that that was going to be an eight-week commitment. Mm-hmm. And typically, especially for the uh, the large uh the large budget movies that that come from the larger distributors like La La Land, like Star Wars, we open up the we open up the film with uh, usually the so 
every first run film that we play, we really, uh, we get a percentage and the distributor gets a, per- a percentage. For larger, more popular films, uh, the first week that we play it is typically a higher percentage. So maybe like 50, 60% the first week that we're playing it, uh, sometimes even higher than that. Um, and then as the run continues, say like the third or fourth week, we may be getting 20% more of the box office grosses than we did the first week that it opened. So like for La La Land played for so long because one, it was get, still getting, um, it was getting great business. It was so. getting great business. And also that fourth week, we're making more money on it as well. Right. So, which uh, gives us more incentive to play films longer sometimes. Well, on the flip side of that, a couple of weeks ago, you guys got Life Itself, yeah. which right. did not get good reviews, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think it spent much time in the top 10, if any, at the box office, and it mm-hmm. kind of came and went. Um, so when you guys booked that initially, did they have any sort of, you got to show this X amount of time and you have to break a deal? Like, how does no, it work when you want No, there wasn't wanna... any on that one. Or if there, there were, Jay and handled that without bringing us into it, mm-hmm. uh, whatever their expectation for it was, I mean, generally speaking, we know that we will play a film for a full run week, which is a Friday through Thursday week. And then we find out on Monday what's going to continue, what's going to get pulled, what's going to be split, which means, so a full run for a film is being played in every set uh, on a, every day. Mm-hmm. So usually that's a three set day. We've got sort of a three o'clock, four o'clock film, a six o'clock, seven o'clock film, eight o'clock, nine o'clock film. Some days you'll have a fourth set. We sometimes do that on Saturdays. We'll add late nights. Um, and so you'll have that expectation that you'll do a full run of something. And then if she specifies that it's going to be a split, that means that two movies can split that full run. So they'll sort of alternate. One will play for one set a day, then the next day they'll play for two sets. And they'll fill up that same full set, but those two movies will split it. It, so, so by by example, you'll see this weekend we're playing A Star Is Born, and uh, based on our terms of, of A Star Is Born, we have to that that film has to run clean, which means that every set that we that if, for every set that we have, A Star Is Born needs to be playing. So you'll see uh, this Sunday we're gonna have th- we have three screenings of Hocus Pocus and one screening of A Star Is Born, just because based on our terms that that has to happen. And we have enough interest for Hocus Pocus to account for four, all four screenings to be, mm-hmm. but we had to pull one. Which so is which is why we added a late night. We added a midnight, and I guess it, it isn't because of this. We were going to do this anyway. We added a midnight screening of Hocus Pocus October 20th as well. Well, and to get to the programming side of actually making some selections, it seems like in, a, in where everything is so aggregated online where you can immediately get Rotten Tomatoes things and everybody thinks they know what's good and mm-hmm. what's not. You know, everybody probably thinks they could program a theater. Oh, I'll just pick everything that's certified fresh. (laughs) But then you aren't turning over stones to find cool, weird things. And I'm curious how how you guys go about that side of it and where you, if you ever like really fight for something, some weird movie from Romania that you really (laughs) Mm -hmm. think needs to get some eyeballs on it, like kind of how you go about finding those and bringing those to people's attention. Hmm. Don't look at me. Um, <laughs> yes. So it, it's a complicated negotiation, I guess is the, yeah. the way to say it. Um, yes. So sometimes we're lucky enough that people will bring movies to us mm-hmm. and they'll send us screeners and we will evaluate them and see whether we want to fit in screenings of them. Uh, we've got a couple movies on our plate right now that I don't really want to name because they're so nebulous in our discussions <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. But they're things that... 
have varying degrees of merit and varying degrees of interest. And we're trying to find that balance between sort of, yeah, championing something that's a little bit obscure, mm-hmm. a little bit weird, and making the most money possible. Because it's, it's, it's with, it is within our mission uh, that we are going to play film that we consider to be art, to, to, right. to, to play independent cinema and to, and to support independent cinema. But that is also giving ourselves a handicap in a way because this is because these are not the films that are typically going to make us money. So really, as an independent theater organization, it's it's what Sarah said. We are playing the films that are getting great reviews, are getting a lot of attention. But then we also have a mission uh, that we give our we gladly give give ourselves this. I I, I don't want to I call it a handicap, and that sounds um, it sounds like. It's, it sounds lives... like I'm using it like a derogatory term for these films, I guess. But it's 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 a handicap that we give ourselves gladly because uh, we we do want to push the the weirder stuff and the more independent right. avant garde programming Absolutely. to our. No, our lives would be easier if we had the same mission that a, a Cinemark does, mm-hmm. which is to play the biggest name, biggest budget things. Because not only do those have already an intrinsic interest from the audience, they have the added benefit of the movie themselves having millions of dollars put behind their marketing campaigns, which really reduces the amount of work we have to do to let somebody know that the movie is showing and that they should come and see it. You know, because if you're if you're dealing with a big budget movie, the work you have to do is simply letting somebody know that it's there because mm-hmm. they've already heard of the movie. They already have the interest. And then all I have to do is say, oh, by the way, we're playing it on Thursday. And then somebody is like, great, I want to mm-hmm. go see it. I'll go, you know. Um, but if you're playing something a little bit more obscure, then you have to do the, I have to convince you this is worth seeing anyway, and then convince you that you should come and see it at this time in this place. Mm-hmm. And that's that is more work. And also, uh, uh, getting back to what I said earlier about the fact that we have these terms for our movies that we have to play films for clean runs often, especially the, the new films, uh, the new popular films that we're getting. You have to remember the Michigan Theater only has three screens, so really, you, you can't open more than we, it's. It's not that we can just overload our schedule. Like I want to play Venom. I want to play Star Is Born. I want to play First Man. I want to just. We can't. You, that it's just not possible. It's not logistically possible based on all the screens that we have. So, plus at the Michigan, we have the added challenge, which is that our largest house is also a performing arts venue, and we regularly have r- large stage productions, uh, concerts, rentals other events that are going on, which means that realistically we only have two screens mm-hmm. running at any time at the yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Well, and something about the way those runs work that's, you know, some other art house theaters have a different model. It's at the, uh, the Austin Film Society, for example. I'm from Texas, so I was looking at their schedule. And they have a different slate every single day of mm-hmm. like, here's a Bergman movie, here's a, a Wanda is showing, and it's just like all stuff all over the place, and it seems like no consistent. And I'm just like, how is that... Like, obviously, you guys don't work there, so you don't know. But like, I wonder yeah. how that's feasible. Like, no, it's, have... a, it's a good question. I yeah. would be curious how it's feasible too. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, in a way, that interests me. Just because every day is roulette, and like, I'm going to go mm-hmm. see whatever this kind of bonkers thing is. But mm-hmm. I, I, so the balance between getting some of that sort of who knows sort of content here versus mm-hmm. the scheduling is. Do you always... know how many screens they have? 
I, I've never been there, okay. so I honestly mm. don't know. But I think they think it's just like a couple. Re- repertory repertory programming is certainly much much different. Uh, repertory screenings we tip we we really we book them and we we say this it's going to play this one day. They send us they send us the film. It plays for that one day. We send them our box office reports and they make sure that we weren't lying to them. That we just like we played it for a full week and we didn't tell you. Yeah, we we schedule those. It's going to play one day and that's our terms. So. Uh, the fact that it's so that th- that could be it that the that they their their programming uh typically there are primarily repertory screenings that that affects scheduling as well well on the repertory level that's all i that's one of my favorite things about the theater i saw mm-hmm. you guys just announced the bergman se- or posted the bergman series that's yep. coming up so i'm mm-hmm. excited to see those and i wonder how much like kind of like like you said micro focused like to each showing like all right we got to I don't know how much, you know, they charge for one DCP of wild strawberries or whatever. It, and then, yeah, it, it, it varies. Um, um, typically repertory, repertory screenings, we do, they work on a guarantee versus a percentage. So uh, the guarantees could, they, they fluctuate. That could be 250, that could be 350, that could be 400 versus a percentage sometimes, again, 35, 45%, it varies. Um, so if, if, so if, if, if we make over, over that guarantee, we pay them a percentage. Um, that's typically how, how that works. I don't remember what your question and, was. And, well, do, you, do you view each individual kind of one of those repertory screenings in terms of like success, failure, in terms of meeting those guarantees? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We have whole spreadsheets to try yeah. to figure out how, what our minimum attendance is going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, and you try to predict that based on how well another film has done of the same type. And then, you, you, tr- you know, I, yeah, I would just finish negotiating terms on a repertory film that we're going to play in January for our next science on screen movie, The Twinning Reaction. And that was, you know, like, you sit down and you calculate, okay, so we were able to get this many people to this screening that almost lines up to it. So if we got that amount, maybe 10% more, you know, mm-hmm. how much would that really bring us in? How much could we realistically pay for that? Um, I have a question for you now. <laughs> how, how how do you how did what, I just how, how did you know about the Bergman series? I, I I built that about an hour ago on the computer on the, on our on our ticketing system Agile and didn't announce it. I'm just curious how do 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 you spend time just looking? Yeah, so you saw it pop up on the on uh, the website. You need to close the italics tag at the end of uh, the pianist, I believe. <laughs> the whole rest of the page is been oh, italics. No, oh no, you know what? No, it is closed. <laughs> it's just that when it it segments on the films list. And so where it segments is still within the italics tag. Mm-hmm. And so it does. It breaks the rest of the page. Yeah. It's really annoying. It is really annoying. <laughs> as, a, as someone who deals in those sorts of things no. in no. my job, I was I like, wasn't, sure, I wasn't sure if you, if you somehow triggered it. To, do you get alerts on this? Or, were, 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 or, or were you just looking? No, on I, and I may have already reserved my special seat that I like for all of the books. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Nice. <laughs> where is your favorite seat? Uh, I sit second row up, not like by the screen, but at least in theaters one and two at the state. Uh-huh. Um, between the divide, like the cross aisle, so like the fourth row up, technically from the screen. Sure, right smack second one up from the cross so aisle, though. One, yeah, like one hundred six, one hundred seven, row D. That's those are kinda, those are good seats. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's where I saw Star Wars, saw Black Panther, got those all right. stars born, all of them, got them locked in. Um, I, it's a sickness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a gold member perk. Yeah. It is, and I was curious actually about that. Like, so you guys have to lose money on me, right? Yeah. 
You probably, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost certainly. And how, how should I feel about that? Uh you could give us more. <laughs> I, I have in the past. I actually, I, I, it's it's enough that I, out of curiosity, I made a spreadsheet to see how mm-hmm. many I see, what it would have cost if I had paid. Mm-hmm. Just to well, what see. did you find? How good of a value is it for oh, you? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's. I don't know if you want to know that. Probably not. No, here's the thing. For as many people like you as there are, there are plenty of other gold members who don't come that frequently, mm-hmm. uh, who come once a week, um, who come once a month. Which you know, is the way MoviePass was supposed to work. Right. Yeah. And that's what, you know, when we when we have those conversations about MoviePass and we try to talk to people, we do try to say, well, that's, yeah, that's what our membership is, right? It's supposed to be, you pay this amount a month, really. I mean, you pay it up front because it's an annual fee, but, and then you get free popcorn, you get free movies, you get that, that kind of flexibility for you. And then you get to choose how much of a value it is for you based mm-hmm. on how many movies you go to. Mm-hmm. And also to, 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 to expand on just how how it works for a membership, um, because you, you get your, your gold member, you get in free. Tickets are typically $750 for membership, and that's what we still pay to the distributor. Right. Because we, 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 we still have to send the, the distributor money for you sitting in that seat. So how it works is um, you get in free, but then on our box office reports it says – you paid zero dollars of a seven fifty market value ticket, so that's the money that we we still have. So right. we 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 still send. So when we're talking about that guarantee of that percentage, we're paying a percentage on as if you had paid a seven fifty ticket, mm-hmm. but we paid a seven fifty ticket for you. Mm-hmm. And then does that balance out at all at the end of the day when it's uh, when you just look at for the years? Here's how many seats we went. Yeah. You're like, hey, mm-hmm. we're glad we, that guy went 120 times or whatever and mm-hmm. bumped that number up. I mm-hmm. think for the most part, at least. All right. <laughs> I'm just trying to feel good about myself. But in, but yeah, in uh, what membership data is extremely valuable data because we're seeing uh, at the end of the day we look at like the Fatal Yours series and we see that. This was a really popular series for members, and these are our most valued customers. These are the customers that we know will come to the theater two or three times a week, and these are the films that they value. So just you sitting in that seat is is great data for us at the end of the day as well, uh, because that's how we're going to program in the future. I I do think of it sort of as voting, like the things I choose to see and not to see. Yeah. No, it's a great like, way um, to think about it. I'm going to go see all the Lone Wolf and Cut movies because <laughs> maybe they'll get more. Like, I, I loved when you guys got the Decalogue a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, yeah. I was, I was one of the... God. How the, long is that thing? Is it 10 hours? Yeah, it was spread out over three days. Uh, but. Yeah. Did you go to that new team? Uh, no, I didn't, but I've, I've seen it before. I'm Have a you? big fan. <laughs> it is very long, but worth it. <laughs> if you guys, yeah, if you guys did a night that was just the Three Colors trilogy, I bet there'd be some weirdos that would stick around. I'm sure Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just on a Kislowski. That's okay, I guess. But, um, well, we do have a Polish film series that's going on right now. I, yes, and I love it. Um, okay. I've been going to those. those they, so the first one was originally listed as a four-hour-long movie. Yeah, they changed that on us last minute. We, they, didn't, we didn't know they were going to do that. They, <laughs> they changed it to three, and people applauded in the scene. <laughs> yeah. They found out that it was... Um, but I was uh, curious about that in a sense. So I know that particular series, you guys didn't program Correct. that. That's the Polish society. Mm-hmm. Um, for ex- And they are showing a uh, Roman Polanski movie as part mm-hmm. of that. Um, as I've been here, you guys have shown multiple first-run Woody Allen movies. Yep. Are these discussions you guys have about, hey, maybe let's Absolutely. not do that? Absolutely. We have those discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it is a challenging conversation to negotiate, but I think when it comes down to it, the way that we view our role in the community is to 
provide access and space for conversation. And so uh, we completely support the audience members' right to vote with their dollar or their vote with their seat, you know, like you would, to say that they don't appreciate that kind of programming. Mm -hmm. Um, And we certainly had that with uh, Wonder Wheel. Uh, The last Woody Allen, nobody came to see that. Mm -hmm. And it was a very interesting shift because even a year before what was the Woody Allen movie Cafe that, Society. okay yeah. that one had done great and before that it was the Walking Phoenix one yeah also with, did great uh, Irrational Man which did really well for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it really so it really was I know that Wonder Wheel wasn't viewed as being one of his greatest but uh, there was a noticeable decline in attendance mm-hmm. from all of the, the films of his that we had shown before so I think that the conversation and our audience's expectations regarding a movie by somebody like Woody Allen uh, have changed. and um, But generally, uh, we view it as our role to to provide the content and the audience gets to make the judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, and with, uh, were you surprised that nobody came out to Wonder Wheel? I was only because I have never been a Woody Allen fan. Mm-hmm. And every year we'd play a Woody Allen movie and I'd be like, oh, God. I can't believe people still see Woody Allen movies. And they really, they stuck by him for so long Mm -hmm. that it was shocking to me that finally, finally things had changed on a a bigger level for him. Well, and this kind of leads to a bigger non-Woody Allen question, but I was just, uh, everybody can answer this, but like movies that the theater is booked that you're, we were surprised at either how well they over or underperformed. Is there anything you're like, man, we didn't think anybody was going to come see this. Yes, I have one that (laughs) underperformed. I knew, you know what I'm about to talk about, don't pick, you? Pick of the litter. Pick of the litter. <laughs> I was shocked at how poorly that did because it was dogs training to be guide dogs. I thought that was a shoo-in. Keddie, the cat movie, had done so well. Yeah. And what I learned is Ann Arbor doesn't <laughs> like dogs. They like cats. Ann Arbor is a bunch of cat people. Mm-hmm. So that was my shock. Well, th- th- there, are those, there are those titles, though, that come about like uh, a joke uh, among the office is that the best exotic marigold hotel is the best film that we've ever played. Mm-hmm. Be- and then, and, then, and then it's 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 refreshing to see that w- w- like when when that movie comes out and it does so well, um, it's almost like shame on us for judging this movie sometimes. Be and because just the, the, the our audience just flocked to that movie. It did. S- it, it played for for months. Same with Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes played. I it thought played we were never going to get rid of it. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. a four month run. Mm-hmm. Actually, we just had one really recently. Um, so Russ, our executive director, had heard word from uh, the executive director of the Tampa Theater that uh, Greatest Showman Sing Along was a huge hit for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had played it something like three times and sold out every time. And I think they're up on their fourth time showing it now within about a three-month period. And uh, and Nick and I and and our executive, our, our boss, uh, Ariel, we're all kind of like wrinkled our noses mm-hmm. at it because we didn't know anybody who liked Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. Well, we were really wrong. We were extremely wrong. <laughs> uh, that did extraordinarily well for us, mm-hmm. and people were very excited. And there's a good chance we're going to do it again. Uh, it's guaranteed that we're going to do it again. We, we don't have a we date haven't picked for a date it, yet. but we we will be doing that. So we that yeah, again. we were really wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that was something I saw on the schedule. It was kind of mm-hmm. like who's going to go to? I get Beauty and the Beast, kind of like mm-hmm. it's got you know twenty five almost years of a thousand people. I saw the photo and yeah. I was blown away. Yeah, by how many people. <laughs> yeah, were there. it was. It and was, it was loud. I I've uh, especially with our new sound system in the main theater. 
that film was loud because we, it had to be one because people are singing at the screen and you have to still be able to hear it. But we people, I, I, I walked out on stage and I felt like I was at a rock concert. That that was because <laughs> I walked out as soon as the lights dropped, the crowd exploded, and I was walking out on stage. And I, I felt it was yeah, the, it was it w- an amazing experience. It wasn't even a just a big crowd. It was a passionate crowd, mm-hmm. and so we absolutely learned a lot from that. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's yeah. I'm glad it worked out for you guys. That is yeah. certainly the opposite of the vibe I enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I want the most dispassionate audience possible, which. Uh, Made the first night of A Star is Born a little difficult. Oh, okay. yeah. some, some very enthusiastic people. Um, but uh, what, what anything else come to mind that over underperformed anything? Like, um, Do you have one in particular in mind that you're curious about? <laughs> well, I, okay. So as a mo- I was the, uh, the midnight kind of back to school series. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was yeah. very stoked to see everybody want some on there. Mm-hmm. I've already seen it multiple times. I was not, I don't stay up till midnight because I'm mm-hmm. old. Yeah. But, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, this is always that's why we've started doing the Fridays at nine thirty mm-hmm. for people like me who love the midnight movies but will not go to mm-hmm. a midnight movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, it has to be a whole thing. I have to take a nap. Yeah, before. you've yeah. got to be prepared. No, it's as, hard. As someone who takes the bus here in town, the buses yeah. don't run that late, especially mm-hmm. when it's cold out. So, um, but yeah, and then I, you know, on this on the website, you can see how many seats are picked out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, looks like nobody's going to this. Yeah, that that, that was my uh, I I really wanted to put that that movie uh, back on the screen. I really um, like that movie. So yeah, I was, no, I, I was rooting I, for it, and I do too. And we added Dazed and Confused, uh, which was my pick. And then uh, we uh, ended. So it just it seemed obvious to me to add in Everybody Wants Some, being the, the they call it the spiritual sequel of Dazed and Confused. That whole series was a little bit uh, disappointing attendance-wise on us, um, but but then October did really well for us. Like we sold out two shows of Evil Dead and Cabin in the Woods, so I don't quite have. I don't remember what your question was, but Were I don't have an answer. Were you disappointed by? Oh yeah, I was everybody. Wants yeah, yeah. Some, I, 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 yes. I was very disappointed by everybody wants them. I was very disappointed by Pitch Perfect. I thought that there was a greater audience for for that. I and think the Pitch Perfect audience is an earlier audience. Yeah? Yeah. No, I think that we should try it again, and mm-hmm. I think we should try it as a sing-along. Mm-hmm. I think it would do really well. Yeah, we tried We tried to... We, <laughs> it was right after the the success of Greatest Showman, I started to market that as a... a not an official sing-along, but we were saying singing's encouraged, but still didn't quite... Uh, the bait still wasn't taken on that one. Uh, uh, going to something you mentioned earlier was sort of... Uh, most exotic Marigold Hotel or whatever being the, the best quote movie you yeah. guys ever showed. <laughs> I So I work downtown. Uh-huh. I sometimes, I can kind of make my own schedule and I will go see like a 3.30 movie every now and then. Mm-hmm. And usually I'm the youngest person in the room by about 35 <laughs> years. So I can totally understand that. And it makes me wonder how much you take sort of those demographics into account. Because every now and then I'll see a movie on the schedule. That is what I would call a quote, old people still got it movie. <laughs> And I'm like, it's not necessarily the kind of thing I would see, but I understand why it's there. Yeah. Especially based on, you know, if I go to a member event also, I'm often younger mm-hmm. than a lot of the people there. So it mm-hmm. makes sense. But I was, mm-hmm. how, how do you guys, as I'm, no one in here has a lot of gray hairs that I can see. <laughs> like, how do you guys make those sorts of programming choices to find out what that audience would be into? I would say that's where we start using data. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly we have movies that we'll call member bait. Uh, and those are kind of the things that we anticipate will appeal to an audience that's sort of 40 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which you know, I would say that if you kind of analyze our our membership, we have a we have considerably more members in that age range than in the twenties, their twenties and thirties. And uh, for instance, we have a movie called Tea with Dames. It's going to be opening on the twenty eighth, and that is we've talked about it on the podcast before, mm-hmm. and it is it's a documentary that's really just for the four British actress dames sitting around and. Mm-hmm. Talking trash over tea, which is mm-hmm. fantastic, and I, <laughs> and I I personally think that those are all um, what you know Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, those are actresses who our audience, our members love. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are ones that you'll want to play when you think that audience will attend, and that you do look at who is coming when, and to try to help evaluate when, when you're going to put showtimes mm-hmm. in. And the, we have a, a coworker, Sarah Escalante. She's the one who builds the schedule, and uh, based on it, and she she has she creates her own spreadsheets and data. Like mm-hmm. these movies play well at matinees. These movies play well mm-hmm. at the five o'clock sets. So really, it, it always comes down to to data how we right. how we program right. the schedule. Like, yeah. When we brought Mandy in, I was trying to push her to put it in one of the larger theaters of the state, and she was like. But the data is not bearing mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's playing well enough for theater four. Mm-hmm. And she had the numbers. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I can't argue with that. <laughs> but it did better the next week. So yeah. I had a point. But <laughs> I love theater four. <laughs> theater four is I a really, really nice theater size. theater four as well. Yeah. All right. So is that, uh, that that's it? I, I am satisfied for now. Okay. For now. For now. Um, so uh, thank you all for coming by. So before we wrap this up. Uh, we're gonna get to our movie magic moments of the week, and this is—I I forgot that you, you prepared one, right? I know, okay, I know, I know you're a listener. You're a listener, so I, I figured that you prepare one on your own. And this is the moment in the episode where we're able to suggest something to the audience. I mean, that we've seen recently, and uh, reminded us why we love movies. And Nadine, why don't you kick this off? We haven't heard enough from you in this. Yeah, in this yeah. Episode I, here. I feel like I was here to represent the podcast listener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's see, my movie magic moment. Um, I just saw for the first time Army of Darkness. <gasps> just for the first time? For the first time. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand why you said it like that because it really seemed like a movie I would have been all about yeah. if I was 14 years old. Yes. Uh, and I, I still loved it. I loved it a lot. Have you seen it, Chris? I have, yes. I was probably like 16. Yeah. Is... That seems it's like the, the prime. It's the perfect movie for a 16-year-old boy. Uh, it's really well-directed, really fun, mm-hmm. like... It's all about how fun it is. Mm-hmm. It must have been it's, so fun to make that. Movie. It was. It's. It's an enormous tonal shift in the in the Evil Dead series. Oh yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's that that's the third Evil Dead movie. For yes. those who don't know exactly what we're talking about, and this is the one where Ash goes back to the mid to the medieval times. Yeah, he goes back to medieval times for you know some reason, and mm-hmm. the whole point of the movie <laughs> is him trying to get back. It's not a very long movie. No, it's not. It just it honestly just seems like the studio gave Sam Raimi a big budget mm-hmm. and said do whatever you want with it, and so Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell decided to choreograph, uh, I don't know, like eight different set pieces involving like medieval torture and uh, small clones of himself. And <laughs> they really just went all out. And I really appreciate it. Thanks, Nadim. Uh, you can get uh, Army of Darkness. I'm sure it's somewhere on the, the Ann Arbor District Library oh, shelves. Let's yeah. find out. <laughs> uh, Chris? Uh, I recently watched a movie on YouTube because that was the only place I could find it called uh, from 1948 called Portrait of Jenny. 
Oh. It's a Joseph Cot- movie starring Joseph Cotton. Um, it's sort of a metaphysical cosmic romance sort of where he is this down and out painter who wanders through Central Park and meets this very excitable teenage girl who talks to him and he they part ways and he says, oh, that was a delightful conversation. Then he's in the park again, runs into her. And she's noticeably a few years older and so some of the facts about her life seem to be a little bit different. So uh-huh. he keeps coming back to the park and she keeps kind of getting older and this is all within like a week of his life. Okay. And there's sort of, you don't really know what her story is. He goes around and tries to do some research because it seems like she might be from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, wow. it just, it, it, it's kind of a bit of a sci-fi, not, not a ghost story, but there's, there's something almost a little spooky to it. He's all, he's always in the park and there's fog. Uh-huh. Um, there's a scene on the, there eventually they go up to a lighthouse with some waves crashing on some rocks. It gets very dramatic. Um, but it's sort of, uh, Oddly, I would compare it to something like The Adjustment Bureau, if you remember that movie. <laughs> I remember I didn't see it. Nobody did, and I kind of liked it. <laughs> I it's, saw that. It's like, it's like a romance where the forces of the universe are keeping two people apart. Okay. Like, literally in that movie, there's, like, these guardians of the galaxy, practically, that are, like, tasked with these two people weren't supposed to meet. Well, it's more like the bureaucrats of the galaxy. <laughs> that, that, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and this, this doesn't exactly... your paperwork? <laughs> this doesn't have that sort of bent to it, but it feels like the universe was, like, kind of trying not to have these people intersect. And I, I always kind of crush on those movies a little bit. So Say, The Portrait of Jenny. The uh, Portrait of Jenny. And it's okay. Jenny with an I-E at the end. So. <laughs> okay. And it's only available on YouTube? Yeah, I, I had a hard time digging it up anywhere. Did you check the Ann Arbor District Library website? <laughs> I, I did, actually. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Well, I, I, I'm a big patron of the library, as we uh, see here, per- with my copy yeah. of Leave No Trace on yeah. the Which is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick and I have both seen it and mm-hmm. would recommend it. Mm-hmm. So, Sarah. Yeah, I uh, just rewatched the 1979 classic Phantasm. Ooh. Oh, man. And I had not seen it since the first time I saw it was actually at the Michigan Theater as part of Art House Theater Day a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And, uh, and so the thing that stuck out for me was actually how much more fun it is to watch that movie with a crowd. Mm-hmm. That it actually gets kind of boring when you're just sitting on your couch yeah. watching it. Because <laughs> you kind of need everybody laughing at the same time at the ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. But you know what really stood out to me? The hair. The hair in that movie is fantastic. So much feathering and fluff. I feel like there's some turtlenecks going yeah. on as well. Uh, well, yeah, the fashion is great. Uh, the one guy uh, is balding, but has a ponytail, which Red, is my Reggie. F- yeah, Reggie. Uh, it's my favorite style. It Reggie like, becomes the stars of all the. It looks films. like his hair sliding off. Is what it looks like, and that's what I love about it. Uh, you know, Reggie is the best thing in that whole movie, and so I'm not surprised he became the star. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, you guys. It's cut down from like a three-hour. Yeah, record, I, I, I think it would yeah. have to be because, although I doubt it would still make any sense. None of it makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But man, uh, Angus Scrim. Angus Scrim. He is fantastic. We were just debating the other day who, if they were to remake that, who would play the tall man or I, tall woman in theory. Tilda Swinton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I said I said Grace Jones. Also but. a great choice. Yeah, Grace. Yeah. yeah. I recently tried to break into the property where the Phantasm House oh, did still you? is. Yeah. <laughs> and coincidentally, not to mention Grace Jones, but that's where they also shot some of A View to a Kill. Really? Oh. It's this big mansion out in Oakland that during the week is open for tourists. But a guy I know who I was visiting there I was like, knew a hole in the fence. Of likes, course there's a hole in the fence. I know of this hole in the He likes to bring somewhere. his guests when he's... Uh... Those are the kind of people you want to trust. <laughs> oh, the guy that takes you to the hole in the fence. I loved it. <laughs> but sadly, they had patched said hole in said uh, fence. So we were not no, able to trespass. Bad. 
<laughs> well, I tell you, in honor of Halloween, Phantasm's a great one, and mm-hmm. you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Probably available at the district library, but I have not checked. <laughs> uh, so mine, I um, I was getting into the Halloween spirit myself, and I on Filmstruck, they have Carnival of Souls on there, and that was my first time seeing it. This is the 1962 horror film directed by Herc Harvey. And this was uh, his, his really only, uh, his most well-known film. And also the star, uh, Candice Hillegas. Uh, this is primarily her, the only film that she is really known for. So this is a film, it opens and she is, uh, Candice plays this this young woman. She's in a car and uh, with her friends and they're challenged on the road by these young boy drag racers. And as they're racing, they hit this uh, wooden bridge and her, the, her car goes off, and I think the, the police spend like three hours looking for this vehicle in the water, and then all of a sudden she mysteriously just emerges from the water unscathed. And then she heads off <laughs> to, uh, everyone's like, oh, well, that's weird. And we'll keep looking for the car because she doesn't remember where it is or where her friends are. So she heads off to Utah. She's an organist, and she uh, she has taken a job at this church in Utah. And... It was the perfect film to really get me in the Halloween spirit because the score of this film, uh, it's, it's an organ score by Gene Moore is, is, is the musician's name. And it is so dark and foreboding and it just creates this really intense and mysterious atmosphere in the film. And it, the movie is so eerie and it's, it's, um, and it was fun to, to you. You can see how the film inspired so many other directors, like uh, David Lynch, has uh, uh, cited this film as an inspiration of his work. And um, there's a scene in it towards the end where she and en- she enters because the, throughout the movie she's really going back and forth between the real life and this realm of the dead. And there's a scene at the end where it looks like it was David Lynch. It, it looks like an, like a, like a scene out of that that the episode in the new season of Twin Peaks, the really controversial one. The one that, I haven't seen it. The one that I know Nadim, you're a big fan of that episode. Oh yeah, what scene? The the, the 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 where the scene where it's outside, I think the gas station, and you see all the characters and they're moving around. It's it, oh, I think, the one I think, that's very choppily edited. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the, the, this the scene at the end of the Carnival of Souls is very similar to that. Oh, okay. And then the, the the film ends with kind of like a Twilight Zoney type twist ending, and I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but um, really really fantastic, fantastic film to see for the first time. Hmm. Carnival of Souls. I have cool. almost also broken into that property. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I believe it's the Salt Air Palace, right on the banks of Salt Lake City, of the Great Salt Lake. And I, we drove by it once when I was with the band on tour, and we we're like, "Oh, we got to go check that out." And it's like, from what I remember, it's still like very dilapidated, and just kind of. But they can't bring themselves to tear it down. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyone else have other things to add? No, but I want our next episode to be about all of the buildings that Chris has almost <laughs> broken into. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so that about wraps up Behind the Marquee. Thank you all for, for listening. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in your feed next week. Visit the Ann Arbor. We have to thank the Ann Arbor District Library, of course, for letting us take over their studio for, for close to an hour again. Uh, check out their website, aadl.org. 
Uh, check out our website, mishtheater.org. Email the podcast, btmpod at gmail.com. Send us your movie magic moments. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe. Be sure to subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app. Leave us a review. That's how other people are going to listen to this. So keep watching movies, and thank you for joining us behind the marquee.